Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to Dan Bongino Weekend Interview Series. Really excited today to welcome our guest, Mark Levin. Mark is a good friend. I'm going to get right to the interview, folks. You always have to pay for the interview. It's great. As you know, I always record the introduction to the interview, ironically, after the interview, because I want to tell you what's ahead. Some quick things we hit on. The GOP abandoning their commitment to, uh, to, de- to getting rid of our debt. We've really gone downhill on this quick. Mark has just a, a scathing review of uh, really how the GOP lost their mark in the Tea Party rebellion there. We have some solid praise for President Trump and his moves on Iran. He also has a really a, a damning critique of the media and they're just a backwardness, a backwardness on Iran um, and just fairness, how they've abandoned fairness. That part is just terrific. We also get into impeachment, Spygate, and how Mark was one of the first people to call the Spygate scandal what it was, one of the biggest scandals of our time. We'll get to in a second. Today's show brought to you by our friends at, here it is. OMAX with CryoFreeze, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you're an athlete, weekend warrior, or someone who deals with constant joint pain, back pain, muscle soreness, or arthritis like me, finding a natural remedy that instantly works might seem non-existent. Most over-the-counter pain relievers, such as Icy Hot and Bengay, only focus on one basic cooling effect, such as menthol, which temporarily takes your mind off the pain until the pain returns in an hour or so. Not with this. I just used this yesterday, as a matter of fact, right on Paula's neck. Paula slept a little funny. We're sleeping all over the house now because we have people here working. And she woke up with a really wrenched neck. Now she's all better. Had a good time last night due to this product right here, CryoFreeze by Omax. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery and relief, you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFreeze CBD developed by Omax. This non-prescription, triple action pain relief roll-on. Look at it. It's a roll-on. Right there, you roll it right on like that. You'll feel better just in minutes. It's specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is this 100% natural CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application and relief lasts up to eight hours. More for Paula. Much longer than over-the-counter products. It's super easy. Throw it in your gym bag. Take it on the go for emergency pain relief. Simply take off the cap, roll it over where it hurts, feel the pain be iced out immediately with an Arctic blast. Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a bottle of CryoFreeze pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. This discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to Omax, O-M-A-X health.com today. OMAXHealth.com today and enter code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, to take advantage of this incredible savings. That's OMAXHealth.com, enter promo code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, take advantage of 25% off CryoFreeze and SiteWide. Looking to relieve your muscle and joy pain within 15 minutes? Try it today. Go to OMAXHealth.com, enter promo code Bongino to get that 20% off. Go to OMAXHealth.com, uh, promo code Bongino, feel relief faster. All right, without further ado, my interview with the great one, Mark Levin. I am uh, really honored to have what I would consider to be a good personal friend, but also one of the most talented men in the industry, a trendsetter, a thought leader, uh, really, I would say one of the founders of the Tea Party. And I think I may be uh, uh, short, uh, short shifting him here just a little bit because he's done so much. My good friend, Mark Levin. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you. Dan Bongino, you're a great friend. And I my honor to be here. Thank you, sir. Well, when we put out, Mark, a little uh, survey, who's the guest you want to hear from most? 
Um, your name, of course, was at the top of the list. Uh, you've done so much. You have a book out. It's been out for a couple of months now. It has been blowing up the charts. It was number one for eons. It is called Unfreedom of the Press, ladies and gentlemen. It is one of the finest pieces of work I've read in a long time. If you are even remotely interested in the battle being fought in America for press integrity, Unfreedom of the Press by Mark Levin is a manifesto to read. It is filled with history and facts. I can't recommend it enough. We'll be putting the links on my social sites to the book. We'll be addressing it uh, throughout the interview as well. Uh, Mark, the first question I, I wanted to get to is, uh, just on a personal note, before we get into these quick issues of the day, I get this question a lot from people when I see them who are really interested. They say, how did Mark Levin get into radio? You know, you were the chief of staff for Attorney General Ed Meese, and it wasn't the most natural segue. And now you've conquered the radio world. How exactly did that happen? Well, you know, it's funny. When I was a teenager, I wanted to be on radio. And I used to harass the program director on what was WCAU in Philadelphia, 1210, and then it became WPHT. And, you know, they let me try. I mean, they didn't really want me on, but gave me a little uh, show I did uh, once. And once was all, and and I was kind of uh, quasi obsessed with. It. I used to listen uh, late at night on my uh, AM radio transistor, moving around the antenna, picking up uh, Bob Grant in New York and uh, and other hosts, also in Philadelphia on a station called WWBB. And uh, I always enjoy. I used to actually listen to uh, uh, hosts I didn't always agree with, but uh, they had interesting interviews. I would uh, listen to them. So I was an insomniac at a young age, I still am, and, and talk radio was always interesting to me. Then I just assumed I'd move on to another field, and I did, obviously. Uh, but it always interested me, and became very good friends with uh, some of the hosts, Bob Grant, as I said, in New York. Uh, used to li- I would listen to Rush, and uh, uh, he would tap into me for some legal advice or constitutional advice, and then over time, you know, he would call me F. Lee Levin, and... That's I met right. Hannity years ago. Uh, really, he saw me on uh, Crossfire going up against Carvel and contacted me and wanted to get to know me a little. And we became very, very close, fast friends. And uh, look, it's almost like you. What happened was uh, I was a guest and yep. constantly asking me to be a guest. And then uh, Sean mostly took a, a Christmas vacation. He would ask me to sit in. And he showed me how to do what we call formatics, you know, telling people the time and the weather, how to get in and get out on WABC in New York. And then the program director there said, you know, the needle keeps bouncing when you uh, when you were on. Would you like to try a Sunday show? I said, all right. He said, and by the way, we can't pay you anything. I said, all right, I'll try it anyway. So this is years ago, 15, 16, 17 years ago, and I tried it on Sunday. But you're sorry you asked this question, Dan. And then uh, no, no, but I'm fascinated by I, I get this question all the time. Yeah. How did Mark get on radio? <laughs> well, then I, I was on from noon to two on Sundays, which is kind of you know dead time. Normally, there's infomercials, and uh, yeah, they went from a point zero something other to like a two point five, almost a three share, which is big. And after about fourteen months, I decided you know this is great, but I'm going to retire. And then they asked me. If, I wanted to do a regular show on WABC for one hour, then two hours, then syndication, and then one thing led to another. And here I am. You know, Mark, uh, the first time I heard you, I vividly remember it. I tell this story whenever you've been kind enough to let me guest host 
um, your top rated show. Uh, I've, I've told it a thousand times, but I was coming back. I was uh, working as, as a special agent in the Dignitary Protection Division doing operations. And I was driving home and I had turned on WMAL. I just gotten tired of listening to the sports junkies or whatever was on or whatever it may be. And uh, I, I heard this voice and I, I got to tell you, Mark, and I mean, I never heard anything like it. Um, it was a combination of a fighter. You hung up on a liberal, which was great. Uh, I loved it. The way you hung up on him, but I never heard anything like that, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like nonsense. Like you came back and then you made the point in a way that was not only diplomatic and educated, but you made it in a way that normal, it wasn't in legalese. And I thought it was brilliant. And I, and I, and I say that as a guy who does my own broadcast now, thanks to people like you led the way, um, you're a very unique talent, and um, I think the numbers and, and, and the loyalty of your audience speaks for itself. So I know you hear that a lot, but I want no, to get I, that out. I, honestly, Dan, you're very, very kind and overly generous, and I really, really appreciate it. But uh, in some ways, you do remind me a little of me. I'm not talking about uh, exactly how you do what you do, but your principles, you stick to your principles, even though some people will waver, you don't waver. Um, you're not a fake, what you see is what you get, what you hear is what you get. And that's why I think you resonate with so many people. When you substitute for me, obviously your podcast is massive. When you're on TV, when you're on Fox, you're extraordinarily popular because people appreciate it. So kudos to you, my friend. Well, thank you, Mark. Um, regarding Iran, uh, just obviously, uh, uh, you know, what I think was I'm a bold... It. I said regarding Iran, um, yes, I think this obviously was a bold, necessary decision by President Trump. But given that you wrote this book on freedom of the press, which is a, just a damning expose of the partisanship and the business relationships amongst the press that's taken aside in America, the press response to this, Mark, has been abhorrent. Um, it's one of the most disgusting things I've seen. And I've seen a lot of disgusting things just in the last four or five years with the media the media response, almost acting as the Washington Examiner said today, um, Democrat uh, strategists are starting to worry that the media and the Democrats are becoming lawyers for the Iranians. Uh, have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, this Iranian debacle with the, with the termination of this terrorist Soleimani, uh, the, the press coverage, the left really showed their butts on this one. Well, you're right on. I thought what the president did was outstanding in every way. I love it when the, the left, meaning the media and the Democrats, say, what's the strategy? Uh, you just saw the strategy. It was kill the guy. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I don't know what they're talking What's the strategy? Um, was the threat imminent? Oh, no, 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 no. The attack on our embassy, that wasn't imminent. No, 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 no. No, but future threats. Now, my attitude is this, first of all, Dan. I don't give a crap about future threats. I mean, I do. But he needs to be paid back for what he did already. So that's good enough for me. A future threats, that's just icing on the cake that he won't be able to participate in those. So this is all shocking to me. It just shows you that the media and the Democrats, and they are one and the same, have no morality. They are immoral. The arguments they make are for power, for hits, for ratings. They've decided to appeal to one segment of the American population and a pretty poor segment of that. So... The purpose of the entire book is uh, to expose what the modern media is. I call it the Democrat Party media in the book, the Democrat Party press. That's exactly what it is. Its members are Democrats in reality or certainly in sympathies. They push a social act. Let's do it this way. Can you think of a single major policy or agenda issue where Chuck Todd, the George Stephanopoulos, 
or any of them disagree with the Democrats? I can't think of one. Climate change, open borders, attacking the cops, undermining the military, whatever it is, pro-impeachment, the Russia collusion, you can't find anywhere where they stand for capitalism, securing the border, a strong military, the cops, the Constitution, uh, any of it. So the American people are on to them, and it's up to people like me and you uh, to give this voice. As for what they've done with Iran, I've come to call Nancy Pelosi, Tehran Nancy, just like we had Hanoi Jane and Tokyo Rose. She is Tehran Nancy. She's giving aid and comfort to the enemy. This non-binding resolution was a piece of propaganda by the House Democrats for the Iranians against the United States. They should have passed a resolution supporting the president, not attacking him. I think Nancy Pelosi is... uh, is more than one screw loose. I think she's many screws loose. You know, I keep hearing conservatives say that she doesn't control the party. It's a certain wing of the party. No, she controls the party. She's in charge. She's a radical leftist. She's always been a radical leftist. If people understood her background, she came out of this Phil Burton part of the Democrat Party in California, which was radical left, Henry Waxman and a bunch of others. She is AOC. She is a leftist. What she did here with impeachment, Dan, is she she believed that she would be able to blackmail the Republicans of the Senate because there's a handful of uh, malcontents among the Republicans, like Collins and Murkowski and Romney and, and Gardner, and she thought they would buckle. But they didn't buckle, shockingly, and so she has no leverage left. It wasn't that she was doing the bidding of AOC. She is a reprobate in and of herself. Yeah, she is terrible. I I have no doubt. She's usually politically, um, I should say, uh, to be more precise, strategically smarter than this, though, Mark. Uh, the impeachment, I think you'd agree, and if if, if you don't, please uh, correct me, but impeachment has been strategically a disaster for the Democrats. The swing state polls have gone in Trump's direction. Um, I saw a poll the other day, Rasmussen put out that only 12% of of people poll believe that the president's going to be removed from office. And as you know, impeachment is not a criminal trial. It is effectively a political one. Well, if you don't have the political capital to move more than 12% of the population to believing you're actually going to move the president. I mean, this thing was a disaster. And for as much as I can't stand the dreaded politics of liberal lefty Nancy Pelosi, she's usually smarter than this, Mark. Um, and I don't know what happened here, but this was clearly a catastrophic debacle for them. Well, I think it is, uh, but it's also politically a debacle, but it has damaged the Constitution. I think we can agree on this. What she did in oh, the House 100%. of Representatives is she changed the bases for impeachment to something that the framers specifically rejected, which were these broad policy and agenda differences between the branches. And so now, it's crucial that the Senate handle this properly in the course of this so-called trial uh, to reject what she has done because uh, abuse of power and um, uh, obstructing Congress, these are terms that are not in the Constitution. Uh, they are self-fulfilling terms, depending on who uses them. And so they got these articles of impeachment, which the whole process has been unconstitutional for a variety of reasons which is why I've argued that the Senate should kill it as fast as possible. I'm I'm not interested in all these witnesses and all the rest. I'm interested in protecting the Constitution. So she has damaged the Constitution. Uh, 
which makes her yeah. even more of a reprobate. Yeah, and I know that's obviously something important to you, Mark, as a, as a, as a lawyer, as a former chief of staff to the attorney general, um, Ed Meese. Oh, by the way, folks, pick up, please, Mark's new book. It's called Unfreedom of the Press. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookstores everywhere. It is a absolutely fantastic book, especially in the Trump era. Do not vote in 2020 without reading this book so you understand where the real information from the press, where the information is really the genesis comes from. It's not from journalism. It's from activism. Unfreedom of the press. Pick it up today. Um, if I can move on to another topic, Mark. Uh, you know, Brian Stelter from CNN, who hysterically hosts a show called Reliable Ooh. Sources. Brian Stelter, uh, you know, uh, George Costanza. Yeah. You know, you've ever heard of him? He hosts a show on the weekend on CNN. Yeah, he's uh, it's, Helker. It's, Stelter, Brian Stelter, yes. Yeah, Stelter, yeah, he's, uh, some people call him Tater. Um, I've heard him referred to as George Costanza. <laughs> I simply call him the second, uh, the dumbest guy in media. Chuck Todd's always the second dumbest. But he mocked you um, publicly a long time ago. I'll never forget when it happened. I was driving my daughter to a gymnastics event in Fort Lauderdale, and I was listening to this whole thing go on, this back and forth. He mocked you for saying that you felt President Trump's team, his campaign, was the subject of a FISA warrant. Um, he called you every disturbing name in the book that media people can when they're cowards, you know, conspiracy theorists, all that stuff mm -hmm. uh, meant to make you look like a crazed person. And it turns out, Mark, um, you were right, of course. Uh, not only were you right, you were prescient. Um, you haven't been wrong on anything yet regarding the Spygate thing. And I bring it up because you, you have such a broad base of knowledge on topics when people listen to your radio show that I think one of the things people don't don't give you enough credit for is this. You were ahead of this before I even touched Spygate. I wrote two books on it. You had nailed this thing months before I was even digging into it. Looking back on it now, do you think this is going to go down when the media finally, when they're finally forced to reconcile the truth here? You and I know this was a setup and a scandal. Do you think this will go down as one of the biggest political scandals in American history? It is the biggest. I hope it does. <clears throat> it depends who writes the history. And, uh, you know, Bibi Netanyahu has said to me, and I, I consider him another great uh, statesman in the, on the world scene, and he said, you know, you guys have something in America that we don't have in Israel. He said, the Fox News Channel and conservative talk radio. He said, it makes all the difference in the world. At least we have more platforms where we can make our case. Um, and so uh, I hope so, because this is really so appalling that you have... Uh, Look, I'm telling you, of course, which is ridiculous, but that where you have people in the Obama administration collaborating with media types to destroy a candidate, to destroy his campaign, to destroy his transition, and then to destroy his presidency. It's a cabal. And I've been calling it a soft coup from day one. You know, others use the phrase, and I'm glad they do. That's what it is, as opposed to a military or violent coup. And... What concerns me about all this, Dan, is, depending on what the criminal investigation shows, and who knows? I, I don't say it'll be great. I don't say it'll be bad. I don't know. We'll see. If this doesn't get fixed, then these, these tools within the federal government will still exist and will still be used by the left and will still be championed by the media. So this is an extraordinarily dangerous period in our history. It is the worst scandal in American history. Because it is the government being used against citizens, being used against uh, candidates. And I've said, and so many before us have said, Dan, 
that if this country falls, it will fall from, from within. It won't be due to some foreign power because these people use liberty to destroy liberty and they use the Constitution to destroy the Constitution. Yeah. Mark, did you ever get an apology from Brian Stelter over that? No. What you're talking about is early in, in March, literally, Dan, and your audience should know, about 30 minutes before I was going on my radio show, it was a Thursday. I remember it like yesterday. Yeah. As an old chief of staff to an attorney general, I just started to read, you know, go back and I saw these leaks, which I knew had to be coming out of the FBI. Because who the hell else would know this stuff? <laughs> right. uh, you know, not the Department of Agriculture. So, <laughs> sure. I'm going back. I started, it was the New York Times. I remember this story I saw where they used the word wiretap in their headline. I didn't use it. They used it. Then I started going, I said, well, let me see here. Because, you know, I do a lot of research and I start going back. There's another New York Times piece. I start going back. There's another piece, another story, another newspaper. So I put together eight, 10, 12 of these. I said, oh, my God, they're surveilling Trump. They're surveilling his campaign. They're doing something. Here's even leaks about FISA warrants. Now, they were imprecise, so I don't have first-hand knowledge. And I put them in, uh, in a chronological order from the, uh, from the oldest to the newest. And I went through them on the air, and I said, here you go. And it's not me, I said. The media are reporting this. Now, I did it then. Then I did it over the weekend on Fox, and I did it the next Monday on Hannity. And I came under this brutal attack that I was a right-wing conspiracy theorist. And Dan, I didn't make up anything. I was reading what the news media had put together. So they had a reverse course. They had to deny their own reporting because they saw what I was doing, which was the real scandal wasn't what they were leaking. It was the fact of these leaks and what they were telling us with these leaks. They wanted to diminish this president. Oh, there was a FICE application to this. And I'm going, what the hell? There was a FICE application. Look at this. And it was leaked. So I'm very proud of it. We didn't have all the facts. I didn't myself. Took about 30 or 40 minutes to pull all that stuff together. But that's basically what happened. So Stelter, of course, attacked me, and he said, you don't have any proof there was a FISA application. I said, are you not even curious that I picked this up in two distant stories? You're attacking me over a FISA application? You don't even want to know if there was a FISA application. You know, Brian Stelter is illustrative of a lot of the media today. These are young guys with no experience who are thrown into the New York Times, thrown into the CNN, and they have their objectives and they are not serious professionals. And uh, the American people are aware of this now. You highlight that in your book, uh, Unfreedom of the Press, how the, the, the journalism experience is nil, unfortunately, with a lot of these people. That personally bothered me, Mark. I watched your appearance. I believe it was on uh, Hannity, where you laid out the case using the media's own reporting. Um, and and if, I, if I may credit you, in one of my books, um, Spygate, I emulated that strategy. I had a choice in the book to use either left-wing sources, uh, the New York Times, Washington Post, and elsewhere, or to use sources that were honest, you know, you and others. And I chose to use the left-wing reporting. And, you know, I never got uh, eaten alive about that book at all because after a while, they just had to accept it. Either retract your articles or admit what you're saying mm -hmm. is true. I mean, CNN wrote a piece, Mark, saying that the foreign intelligence had been passing information on the Trump team to the Obama administration. It's still up. It was written by Pamela Brown and Jim Shudo. So either Maybe. you're lying in your reporting or the foreign 
you know, intelligence was passing information to the Obama team. <laughs> it's as simple and as that. You say Jim Shuto. Jim Shuto, of course, was worked in the Obama administration. That's right. That's right. And, and again, and, covered in your book extensively all of these contacts with these people. Uh, uh, Mark, one other thing I want to a couple, well, a couple more. If you have, the, I know you just have a few more minutes. You have to get to your radio I'm show. Good. Mark's a busy man. So, uh, by the way, folks, you can also tune into Mark's show Sunday night, eight o'clock, new time. 8 p.m. Eastern, Life, Liberty, and Levin. I have been a guest on this wonderful show twice. There's nothing like it on TV. Long-form interviews on television Thank got you. lost a long time ago. Mark brought it back, and there is a peerless show. Set your DVRs, Fox News Channel, new time, 8 p.m. Eastern time, Fox News, Life, Liberty, and Levin. Um, Mark, you were one of the godfathers of the Tea Party Revolution. Listen, no sane person would dispute. Otherwise, life, uh, excuse me, liberty and, and tyranny was one of the best, maybe the best-selling book of the year. I just remember the YouTube video of people at the Tyson's Mall. Um, it, the thing goes on for 15 minutes, lined up for hours, getting ready to buy signed copies of the book. Everybody had the book. I'll never forget being on a plane, going down the aisle, and three people were reading the book. I'm not kidding. I can... So that book was a monster. It really kind of defined the Tea Party Revolution. Having said that, you know, on a bad note, I think President Trump has brought a lot of good things to the table, and I'm certainly not here to cause any Republican on Republican violence, given the fight we have right now. But we've kind of lost the initiative on the spending debate, and it's sad to watch. Mm -hmm. We we had the BCA, sequestration. We had at least made some attempts, thanks to people like yourself highlighting the, the red menace of debt. What's going on here? Are we ever going to get this back? Or are we just going to go bankrupt and watch interest rates go through the roof like they had to in the uh, Volcker, uh, with the Volcker Fed? You, you are exactly right. Uh, about once a week I get into this. Um, the Republicans in Congress have absolutely lost any notion of fiscal conservatism. They're so afraid of, quote-unquote, a government shutdown. Uh, the president of the United States, he signs these bills. Now, he doesn't write these bills. He signs these bills because he wants to get funding for the military. And he has said that. And he says, then we'll get to the budget. Nobody's getting to the budget. Nobody's getting to spending. Again, I don't, I'm just mentioning it. I wrote another book called Plunder and Deceit. It's page by page, chapter and verse of what's happening. We're destroying the next generation, our children and our grandchildren and generations yet born. They are never going to come up from under here. We know annual multi annual trillion dollar, multi hundred billion dollar uh, deficits every year. We have an unfunded liability, unfunded liability that's off the books. They don't even put it on the books because it would show how bad it is. We have an unfunded liability of a quarter of two hundred and fifty trillion dollars. That is, if the bill came due to pay off all the people who are on entitlements, all the people who are subsidized, all these government programs, handouts, redistribution of wealth, all the rest of it. Obviously, the, the obligations so far exceed our ability to pay. In our, let's see, our gross domestic product, and I'll be very liberal about how I put it, is just under $20 trillion a year. Under 20, so every single penny Earned, created, established every year times 15. All the wealth created each year times 15 equals our unfunded liabilities. All people see is when you say, oh, we have a 20, $21 trillion debt. Those are on budget obligations. They're not counting all these other things. And so 
when I see us being pushing family leave, or when I see us pushing other liberal agenda items, I say to myself, I don't know how the hell we're going to get out of this. I really don't, because you and I, we talk about this. Nobody else talks about this. It's dry. People don't want to hear about it on the radio for the most part or in podcasts. We talk about this, and you know what the response is, even from some learned people in our business? Well, people are always scaring us about this. Nothing ever happens. Well, it doesn't work that way, does it, Dan? It happens all at once. Yeah. That is, the currency collapses, the stock market collapses. And the funny thing is, the, uh, the rules of economics are as firm as the rules of physics. And no amount of votes, no amount of legislation, no amount of uh, anything can fix it once it kicks into high gear, or in this case, low gear. And so this is, this is something that consumes me, that, that really worries me a lot. And I criticize everybody in Washington over this. It is simply unacceptable. And we are spending money we don't have. We know we are. Uh, and the redistribution of wealth, the socialism that has uh, leached into our system, it's a disaster. No, you're right, Mark. It's a topic I address, and I agree with you. It's not the most exciting topic. You know, the big ticket items, impeachment, um, Iran, you know, uh, whatever's out there, the Spygate story, these, they, they, have, they have a sex appeal angle to them. I mean, they're interesting stories. No one wants to hear about how we're looking at a debt apocalypse. They don't want to hear about how interest rates are going to go up. Um, but really, it is the probably most predictable, I'd say, financial crisis in human history. Um, it is going to happen. And it was summed up, uh, I think, nicely by Herb Stein many decades ago, who said what what can't continue won't. Um, and this can't continue. If you believe money has value, which is tautological, well, you can't just fabricate it then out of thin air because then it doesn't have value. That's called counterfeiting. Um, and there's a reason we don't allow people to counterfeit because they didn't earn the commensurate value for the money they printed on their printer. They just printed it. So it, it really does scare me. And given that everything right now seems to be firing on all cylinders, we've got a great tax structure now, thanks to President Trump and the cuts. We finally got some regulatory reform, reform of government red tape. We have a pro-business business atmosphere. If we could just get these Republicans up on Capitol Hill to have some guts and stand up and even engage in some basic reforms. I mean, even Sean, a friend of both of ours, Sean, had he, had a, he, he was pushing the penny plan. Can we start there? Just cut one penny from a dollar. Can we mm-hmm. just start there? We'd at least be on a track to some fiscal sanity. Well, well but- Danway, here's the problem. The Democrat Party <clears throat> is now officially, but was before that too, committed to socialism. It simply is. And the Republican Party is committed to a light socialism. Let's just be honest about it. Even these so-called populist nationalists, uh, they want a lot of government intervention. They want government intervention for things that they support. And they want government intervention to stop things that they oppose. You know, liberty is a great thing, but, you know, it, it sways and it goes, and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. You invite the government in constantly to be referee. The government will devour you, and the government will devour our liberty. There is a true disconnect here. We know most of the people in Congress, maybe not all, but most, are truly knuckleheads. And yet we want to confer all this authority and power on them to make decisions about our health care, immigration, on and on and on. I've said uh, over the years that we are living in a post-constitutional country. We are. The Constitution is honored to the extent it's honored in the breach. 
You look at these judges. Many of them are playing a game. They're using the Constitution to advance their own logic. My first book, I hate to keep bringing up books. Look, I don't want anyone to buy any of my books. I'm just pointing them out, saying that I've tried to explain these things in the past. I'm going to put a note up on this thing. This is a video show. Folks, buy his books. I don't care what he says. They're brilliant. <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, I know you, listen, if you don't buy Mark's books, you're, they're the best books I've ever read. I kid, I'm not saying that because he's my friend either. But go ahead, Mark. <laughs> well, you're a sweetheart. By, by the way, folks, you don't know this, but if you see Dan in person, I'm a big UFC fan. I've been a UFC fan a long time. And Dan, sorry, Dan, my 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 asthma is uh, kicking up. But Dan and I are both UFC okay. fans, and uh, huge. Dan looks like a UFC guy when you meet him in person. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with him. Otherwise, I'll break your neck. So I mean, you know, Mark, you're no small fry yourself. The first time we met in person. Mark was kind enough um, to show up at an event and I was at the same event and Mark took some photos with me and my family. And I had never met Mark in person. I had spoken to him on the phone. I had interviewed on his show. I'm not kidding. Paula's right over here. Paula, am I making this up? She was with me. We walked in and she went, gosh, he looks like a linebacker. Mark, you're a big guy too. I don't think people know that about you either. You're no small fry. You're a big guy. I have pictures with you. I think you're almost taller than me, but I appreciate it. We, I do love UFC. I remember when I was in the Secret Service Training Center, I was down there and as an instructor, I remember this clearly. Remember you had Dana White on your radio show from oh, the yeah. UFC? Yeah. That was a great, great interview. One of my all-time Levin favorites. That was a great get. Well, guess what? I'm going to have somebody else in a couple months on my Fox show that you're going to love too, but I'm not going to tell you who it is yet. Nice. Uh, well, when favorite. we find out, I'm teasing it. All right, cool. Well, I'll, I'll be sure to put that out to my audience. All right, I know you got to get to your radio show. Just one quick final question for you. 2020 elections around the corner. The predictions are useless. Everybody has them. But you do have unique political insight. You're on the air. You're on Fox. You write books. You go to events. Three million Obama voters, Mark, did not show up in the Hillary Clinton 2016 Trump election. Those three million Obama voters are likely going to show up in this one. They're really pissed off. They clearly hate Trump. Some of them are almost deranged in their hatred of this man. What do you think the chances are? Do you think that President Trump's re-election is, uh, stands pretty solid? And what do you think maybe an obstacle might be? You know, it's a great question. And my attitude about these things, since I'm so bad at election predictions, my, my attitude about this is when I, when I think about it and I talk about it with my wife and family members is, I don't know, but always fight like you're behind. And I'm sure you agree with this. I look at these political battles like non-shooting military battles. You have to overwhelm your enemy. You've got to outthink your enemy. You've got to swarm your enemy. Just whatever it takes, you win. I have no idea how this election is going to turn out except for this. If more of them vote than us, we lose. So we've got to get our vote out. Everybody has to take this seriously. You have to be your own precinct captain. Get your family members and friends out. We say this every election, but you're exactly right. We leave the entire Washington establishment, business establishment, uh, other establishments out there that are going to be spending money surreptitiously. Uh, there's going to be a lot of votes that the people who shouldn't be voting always cuts for the Democrats. So it's going to be crucially important now more than ever that we get out as many people as we can. And let's be honest, and the Democrats cut against us because the Democrats have spent uh, more than a decade now trying to change the population of the country. Now, if they were trying to change the population of the country, 
that resulted in more Republican votes. You know, they'd be building 50-foot-tall walls and moats and have sharpshooters up there, and they'd make sure nobody got across the border. But because right. they know, and we know statistically from Pew and other research centers, so there's no point in playing games about this, that more recent immigrants and, and through chain migration overwhelmingly vote Democrat. And that's why you see uh, formerly red states like Virginia flipping blue and more and more states red going purple, some going blue. So this is the battle we're up against. So either we turn out or we lose. I keep, and by the way, I hear people say, I'm confident we're going to win. Well, that's nice. So what does that have to do with anything? That's a soft spot with me too, Mark. I always tell confidence doesn't win elections. Votes do. So uh, really, Hillary Clinton was confident she was going to win too. So I'll take a pass on confidence. Just show up and vote, right? A guy in the gym said that to me. I'm sure it's going to win the economy. I said, I'm glad you're sure. Stop telling people that because anxious people go vote. Let's write that down. Let's write that down. Frank says he's going to win. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Right. Good. Excellent point. I brought that up on my show. Anxious people vote. Stop telling people it's likely he's going to win and they'll stay home. Uh, Mark Levin, you got to get to your radio show 6 p.m. to 9. You all know the Mark Levin radio show. Everybody does. One of the most powerful shows in broadcasting. Congrats, Mark, by the way. Washington Times. I don't know if you saw it. Just put out a piece. The most powerful names in broadcasting. Of course, as you are every year, you're at the top of the charts. So congratulations on that. Mark hosts Life, Liberty, and Levin, 8 p.m. New time on Sunday. Set your DVR, watch it live, and please pick up his fantastic book. It's a must-read before the election, Unfreedom of the Press, available bookstores everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Please, folks, I will be sending out the link on my social media accounts. It's a must-read. Mark Levin, you're a good man, a good friend. You've been a leader. You've been an inspiration to me. I deeply appreciate you doing my show. It's a great honor, and I know my audience is going to love it, and I know they thank you as well. Thanks a lot, my friend. Well, listen, you're a great patriot. I love you, buddy. God bless and Thanks, take care bro. of yourself. I'll see you later. Take it easy. Thanks again, Mark Levin. All right, folks, there you go. The great one, Mark Levin. As you can see, they don't call him the great one for nothing. A talented broadcaster, an unbelievable writer, writes all his own books, by the way. Every word of him does all his own research. And really, uh, I, I, I feel free uh, enough to say this, a, just a great man, a really good guy who has always been there for me and always takes care of the next generation of broadcasters when he believes you're going to move, move the ideological ball. He's that kind of guy. Thanks again for tuning in, folks. I really appreciate it. I'll see you soon. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.